0: We are off.
1: Mm, you might think that kind of off-key sing is a harbinger of bad things to come, but you'd be wrong, my friends, because you are here at the Gilded Playlist with your buddies. Blake, what's up? What's up, loves? We're back. Yeah, we are.
2: Producer, where Williams, is Zaka yet?
0: I'm right here. I'm here. Uh, how do you do, fellow kids? <laughs> Luke in the house. What's going on?
2: Hey, hey, focus. Focus <laughs> in here, Luke.
0: And listen, <laughs> I blazed right past
1: you guys because I want to get to a special occurrence here. We got ourselves a guest. What is up, Christopher? How you
0: doing, party people?
3: Christopher. What's what's up? Up? You son of a bitch. <laughs>
0: Christopher self-supplied his own drop for that, so thank you, Christopher. Welcome to the show, and welcome to uh, you know trial by fire or eleven uh, unsanctioned guilds, according to you know, right. your chat.
2: Yeah, right? yeah, and it's going to be eleven. We'll I'll put all put them all in the guild. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, wow. Christopher, let's uh, let's talk about you for a minute. You are one of the many hosts of. The Quitters Never Give Up podcast. Uh, you live in lovely Los Angeles. Do you want to dox yourself and tell us what sub-portion of Los Angeles you live in?
2: I live in the Valley of the Mud People out in Fontana and the IE. So oh, yeah. not quite L.A. So.
0: Okay. In an empire. Let's go. Yeah. Love's, <laughs> Love spent some time in Huntington Beach. I was a roommate of his and his pregnant wife's for some time. So that was cool.
2: How often did, did What's some weird- That was good times.
1: Yeah. having have Luke as a roommate. Mm-hmm. Wait, My did wife's you say pregnant. wife or wife's? Well, <laughs> just just wife. I am Mormon, but yeah, no, it's just uh, just the one, just the one.
0: Kind of depends. And graduated to the two.
2: I who you're talking to, right. yeah.
1: Christopher, are you from that area or what?
2: I am from uh, Boyle Heights, Los Angeles, uh, that little subsection of Los Angeles, like East L.A.
1: And how do we come to know you? Like, what is the connection here? You guys, you guys work together, Luke and, and Christopher.
0: Mm-mm.
2: Purely I digital. digital. Yeah. I had to explain this to my wife. Uh-huh. Um, basically, Lindsay um, hosted. Oh, wait. Here, guest I got hosted, one. Hang on. Shout hey, up. It's just Lindsay. I mean, why doesn't she get a job? What does she do all day? There you go. So, Lindsay co-hosted Cuppetina uh, Chat. hmm And because our podcast is basically listening to an old show that went off the air three years ago over the phone during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, She put out the invite to anybody who loved the show to call us and come on the show. And Luke was the only person to do that. And so we had him on, and it was awesome. And ever since then, I think we've had him on uh, twice. Mm -hmm. Right, Luke? Yeah. Incredible. And the show is
1: the the Bean and uh, something show? Kevin and Bean. Yeah. Kevin and Bean.
0: Kevin and Bean, yeah. The world famous k-rock great morning radio show that i used to listen to when uh listener ando shout out ando
4: Ooh, shout out would
0: um, drive me around la when we would go spend time up there and then once it went into podcast form and i was living in tucson or aspen or whatever i i listened listened every day until until it all got shut down and then yeah heard about this show and i was like this is great i want to relive past glory and so yeah christopher's show does an awesome job of just uh finding different ways to pull different clips from, from years past and, and relish the good times and the current times. Um, Christopher, you're nice enough to put clips of our show on here. Yeah. In fact, this clip that I'm saying right now might end up on the show. Think about that inception kind of level. Wow. Going down. going So I got a
1: know. question, Christopher, what is the appeal of the Kevin and Bean show for a non uh, Southern
2: California person? Mm. And, uh, I'd like to hear it from, from your point of view here. Um, let's see well okay so growing up in los angeles 1989 is when they got on the air and that was pretty much the year i started high school or finished elementary school or something like that i was a kid and um so they just were on my entire adolescence and into adulthood and they were pretty much um my go-to every morning I'd listen to them when they had the podcast, I'd listen to them and it was just, uh, its own kind of language. So <laughs> if you know somebody that, um, is, is into Kevin and Bean, you can say something like cue the kids. And they'd think of this, my... they think of, uh, oh, 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 wrong clip. Not Sorry. I do that all the time. They'll <clears throat> think you. of this, yeah! there it is. you know, there's, yeah. And There's, so,
0: here's some of the other great language that Kevin threw out sometimes. My, that's a toss-up. I mean, that's quality, <laughs> quality broadcasting, right? How do you keep your head about you? Yeah, there you go.
2: Yeah, two-time Hall of Famer Kevin Ryder,
0: who can't talk into the microphone most times, and that's that's <laughs> why we dug the show. It was one of those things where you you ended up loving it because of all the people, and not so much because of the bits, even though the bits were good. Right? You were just kind of plugged into like this reality show of who's the producer now and what's going on with beer mug? Uh, yeah, there's a guy named beer mug. Cause of course, you know, and his <laughs> attempts to lose weight or who knows what he's trying to do. So it was morning zoo, but it was, it was good. If you get, especially if you got plugged in. Remarkable.
1: So I take it. If you're listening to K rock at coming out of grade school mm. in Southern California, you're a rocker. Is that, is that fair? Christopher? Yeah.
2: Uh yeah, I would I would guess that's fair yeah. Christopher,
0: you weren't abandoned everything right? You I mean you're you're an actual rocker?
2: Yes, I, I did play music for quite a number of years. I studied lots of different types of music. I um, studied Latin American music and Brazilian music and jazz. So I know a lot of different types of music. Sort of. Holy
1: smokes! Like a what legit was your submit first Talk about your, stuff. your
0: recent Brazilian submit where Christopher knew the. Uh, the Sub genre, oh, that's right. That, I did right? know
1: it, yeah. It was Shodo or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah from Gilberto Gil. That was, I think, I got the yes vote from Christopher, too. I'll take it.
3: Loves,
0: right. you'll be happy to know that that song made an appearance on Quitters Never Give Up recently. Uh, Lindsay, Lindsay Let's was go. quite fond of uh, Soqueron Jodo as well. So,
1: super good. Mm-hmm. so what uh do you play many instruments do you have a particular one that uh is your
2: jam uh my primary instrument was bass uh did uh electric bass upright bass and then i would just learn some percussion here and there and a little bit of piano but i haven't played in years
1: oh really yeah like, Skills. like haven't played outside of your house or have you just put the instruments away completely and it's not really a thing that you do at all
2: anymore? Um, I haven't, uh, well, my wife is a singer and so she gigs often and uh-huh. there's been on an, an occasion here and there where I filled in. So I've played every now and then sporadically, but not regularly. Nice. Right.
0: And yeah, I saw... Uh, Shout out to your wife. I think she made it into the voting realms her first time voting on TGP. How did that conversation go? It. I said, vote. Jane's Addiction. <laughs> <laughs> and she's a fan too? Or were you like, you know, was this like, hey, can you do me a solid here and vote for this album that I submitted?
2: She knew of the band. Uh, she she knows the band. She doesn't know the band very well, but she knows the band. Um, and I play it. I I was playing it all the time when, Going over this album for this podcast.
0: Nice. Well, before we move to album talk, loves, I am quite enjoying your interview. Yeah, we were on wife talk there for a second. Yeah.
1: No, we were on wife talk and and, uh, Nat, what's up, Nat? Hope you land safely, right? Yeah.
0: She's not taken off again yet. Um, There's crazy storms going on. So, you know, maybe there'll be a, a, we'll check in between songs. Maybe there's a flight update from uh, the mastermind, Nat. Um, But before we do that, I have uh, a special event announcement that I would like to air here on TGP, and and Christopher, you're certainly invited, although I don't know how you feel about the one and only you two, but uh, my birthday happened recently. And a couple of tickets were purchased for that big old weird video eyeball in Las Vegas. Ooh. Let's go. go. In early October, I should have gone and got the tickets and had the actual date here in my hands, but I don't, so we'll just call it that. I think it is a weekend-ish show. It's on like a Friday, so I'm going to get the digital word out. Obviously, not expecting every single TGP fan, the millions of us, to, you know, pick up some (laughs) It's fairly send, expensive.
1: There's just not enough hotel rooms in Vegas well, yeah. to, to basically house all of the TGP. <laughs> the they, they could
0: like expand out to like Pahrump and, you know, Boulder city and some of those uh, nearby, Anderson. but whatever. Yeah. We won't trouble them with that. But I am going to say, Hey, if you're Vegas inclined, if you're music inclined, if you're just a good hang inclined, I'm going to try to make the three years in the making TGP and Hey, quitters oh, too. If you guys want to make yeah. it happen, meet up. Uh happen, and you know the way that I always like to try to run th- things like this is I'm gonna throw out some dates and I'm gonna say, Hey, me and nat are gonna be there. We've got tickets for this thing if you want to show up early, if you want to show up late if you want to show for the whole time, come on in let's uh let's all hang so there's no no pressure, but man, I think we should uh we should all set our calendars for for early october in vegas in in some capacity or another. How say you can can love it, man? You're early October. Dates. Yeah, I think it might even be like the very first weekend of October, something like that.
5: Mm. Okay. Okay. There's some tickets swirling around in Team Dover,
0: Team Loves as well. So, yeah, yeah, we got to coordinate.
5: Uh, But they're also in October.
0: So, yeah, obviously getting tickets to that is, uh, you know, that'd be great if we all could, you know, have the same shared memory of that concert. But I realize ticket prices being what they are, that might be out of the question. But there's plenty to do in Vegas. Some, you know, some of us will go to a show, the rest of us will. Do something else, and uh, we'll party the rest of the time. So there it it. is. Just
1: real quick side note. I'm going to have to balance that against this text that I got from uh, Papa Brent. Mm -mm. Um, He texted me a week ago today, and this is what it read. (laughs) And he's going to be embarrassed that I'm reading text here, but uh, screw it. I (laughs) thought this was the most hilarious text I've gotten this year. Here it goes. Hey, Ryan, I want to see Blink on this tour this means we must go to London or
0: Dublin. Let's discuss. <laughs> 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 well, to which I just responded, "LOL." Yeah. That's a slightly cool. different request than what I just did. You know, the nice thing about Vegas, it's a little closer, Brent. a little easier to fly to. Hey, but Brent's got dreams. I like it. He must I like get it out there and, I mean, and we do can it.
5: Make it happen. No better purpose for travel.
0: Yeah, that's true. There's no better
1: purpose for travel.
0: I mean, I could, that's what he would tell you, honestly i I've certainly done it i did I mean back in the college days man if i i I saw seven shows in seven days one time, all just by driving in like four different states. it was great so I'm with Love you there, Brent it. all right Vegas, October yeah, I'll and send I mean, out all the digital accoutrement you know and, uh, and get it all lined up there but uh wanted to. and if that,
1: that doesn't here. work, London or Dublin apparently yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that'll be the mail. Yeah. Um, let's see here. What else is on the list? Uh, loves. I mean, I know we're along on
0: shit chat corner, but, uh, yeah. Tell, tell me about your time with hot takes, Ben. You guys had some quality time. You, you and just, your old buddy, bro. What a
1: guy. He came up, spent the weekend, just dropping hot takes all over the place. Apparently Ben is a fervent communist at this point. Hottest of hot takes. I <laughs> like, wow.
4: Yeah. Uh,
0: Christopher, you <laughs> yeah. only know of hot takes, Ben from the pod. Yes, give me give me your give me your take on hot takes. What is your sense of of, of that young man?
2: Is he the one that didn't like Batman?
0: Uh huh. That's, that's right. right.
2: Yeah, I kind of agree with some of his hot takes. Okay, there we yeah. go. Hot there takes wow. coming well, as
1: well. I would have assumed Batman was batting a thousand percent in the uh, public opinion, but apparently I was wrong. I didn't like. Who's going to rank higher, Spider Man? Maybe, but yeah. What, what,
0: Oh, Batman's got on? great crazy. video games, great movies, great com. I mean, he's got everything. He's got the comic where he's the old man that everybody adores. Like, yeah, it's wow. well. There's we-
2: some good stories in Batman, and I, I am a, I do like the the comics of Batman and the movies of Batman. But the problem with the character is that he's a billionaire solving problems his own way, which gets problematic. So you're you're of
0: wealth all- shaming.
2: Not well shaming. I mean, he could be he could be wealthy, but he's basically out there beating up people and, and and giving out his own brand of justice instead of got it using his money for good. And he's also embezzling mm-hmm. from his company because I mean, this company doesn't know he's paying for all these uh, gadgets. Holy
1: crap! So. You're right. There's a whole embezzlement angle. There really is. Yeah, considered. Morgan
0: Freeman's <laughs> in on it. It's a it goes all the way mm-hmm. to the top. It's my understanding. Uh, but exactly. hold on,
1: let's think this through because Morgan Freeman. Well. Maybe this is a subpod. Can we do a subpod real quick? Yeah, sup- let's
3: do it. Uh, all
0: hang right, on. I, I, let me give you a little. Uh... Fun, yeah, sidepod. Okay, pod. so we just Go. we just watched the movie. We all
1: took a break. <laughs> I break, think yeah. that those were programs that, I, if Alfred says those were those were weapons programs or R and D programs that had alternate applications that they have just kind of like. Been able to to basically take that and appropriate it for this kind of Batman thing. And I think he's funding that out of the Wayne, the the, the Wayne family fortune. Well, so, and he also has oh, a lot of investment. philanthropy,
0: right? Like he's taking some of that money and just giving it out to poor people. Is my understanding monorail,
2: dude? He's yeah. monorailing. That's right. It's the freaking well, Wayne actually, monorail. He, he smashed the monorail. Well, yeah, but that was after he yeah. built it. I mean, it's kind of his. Well, but break. that was his dad that built it. He didn't. Batman didn't build it.
0: Mm,
1: okay. Oh. That's been this episode on What's Up with Batman. Yeah.
0: All right, and we're back. That's, that's,
1: oh, yeah. Wow. Good. Nice uh, up, Pod. C+. Plus.
0: C, plus. <laughs> C, minus? C+. C-. Is C, minus? I can't remember C-. C-. plus. plus. <laughs> um, should we transition into album talk seamlessly from there?
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's totally get into it, and let's clear the floor for Christopher. Christopher, when did you first hear Nothing Shocking by Jane's Addiction? You're a southern cow kind of guy what's going on you know give, give us the whole backstory
2: uh well uh, let's see when did i first hear nothing shocking probably in junior high i heard uh jane says and uh, the mountain song that mm-hmm. was uh, on heavily heavy rotation on the radio out here so i heard that a bunch um i i grew up very uh poor you know, not a lot of money. So whenever I bought albums or cassettes, it was something that I had to always save up for. So I first bought in, I think, 1990, the Ritual de lo Habitual album. Okay. And then I loved that album. And then I bought the Nothing Shocking album. And I absolutely loved that album. And the reason I submitted it, though, was because of, of Love's total fear of this album cover. <laughs> total fear.
0: <laughs> Both,
1: well, both album covers. Now that you bring it up,
0: so wait—that first album, because uh, I have no exposure to the to the, the catalog of Jeans. Is that, bef- is that before Nothing Shocking? This is not their debut album.
1: No, Nothing Shocking's debut.
0: Yeah, but oh, uh, but Christopher, you they, owned theirs. Really
1: blow album it out first. and become super popular. I think with uh, Ritual de la habitual. De la habitual.
2: Yeah, mm. the the Nothing is shocking didn't sell as well because of the album cover actually they because it had nudity on it yeah parents groups uh banned it from being or got it banned from several record stores so it couldn't quite sell as much as the the next album which wasn't the album cover was also banned and they had to put an alternate cover for all the stores that didn't want to show not it's not quite nudity it's a Statue, so huh. they're sculptures, so I don't yeah, this know. Is this is like also a,
1: back a, when, like, it's a three way th- with like Perry Farrell's dong, like paper mache, right? <laughs> is that, I right? that right? Oh, yeah, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah,
2: that's, it's yeah, Perry Farrell. I feel like that's
0: gonna is, offend me more than if I actually see it. Um, but that description it, it, is probably it, more shocking than the actual 14
1: year old love, super freaked out by uh, my boy Mark Daly. Having <laughs> well, this. I'm and like, dude, Chris- you can't
0: have this. This is this is not good. What are you doing, right? And this is back in the like music is the devil, right? Like it felt like every other week Congress was yeah. like, "We got to go after two live crew. We got to go after Jane's addiction." Right? Like this was all we cared about in the late '80s.
2: Yeah, the PMRC—they were definitely trying to get get a lot of albums banned or canceled. Yeah, yeah.
0: Now, well, who knows now? But man, what what a weird time. So this your submission, Christopher, is due to love, but also due to Ryan's offhanded comments that came during one recent episode when we weren't even talking about Jane's addiction. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you guys are talking about the offspring. Right. That's
0: what it was. Similar vibe, similar so era. So maybe
1: I covered that ground, yeah. Shout out to my boy, uh, Mark Gailey. Grew up with him.
4: Um, shout out.
1: Mark was definitely uh, the edgy rebel of the group. And uh, he was rolling this thing. He was repping Jane's Addiction big time. Hmm. And um, I loved Mark. I looked up to Mark. He was like six or seven months older. He was bigger and stronger, and he was way cooler. And I was definitely freaked out by him. And he was way more advanced on the "I'm hooking up with chicks" and I am, you know, pushing the boundaries with my parents kind of stuff. You know, I've got
0: um, a, a comment from our buddy Vargas. Uh, Dinner with Vargas. That it's worth playing now. These, these are his overall comments from from his votes.
1: Wicked good album. Mark G had the privilege of buying this album many times, as his parents seemed to find this dangerous enough to confiscate, over and over. Love it, <laughs> classic.
0: Varg's yeah. a big fan, and apparently Mark had to buy the album many times uh, because it just kept getting confiscated. So, huh? All right, Christopher, we're going to see how it fares. I'm curious as to uh, as to young Blake. Uh, tell us your history with Gene's addiction, if any.
5: Well, it's funny. I, I have basically no history, perhaps not a surprise, mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. there is one Jane's Addiction song, I think from, I guess they m- maybe stopped being a band and then reformed mo- more than once. I think somewhere along the way, one, one of those songs somehow entered into my orbit, and I freaking love that song. So I listen it to that a the Movable Object song? It's, no, it's not. I'm saving it because I might re- I might submit it in the Ooh, future. TGPF song talk uh, clubs se- season, intriguing. yeah, a little, little song talk. But anyways, when I saw that, I was like, oh, you know, worlds colliding. Like, all right, okay, I know what I'm working with. Um, and I I enjoyed it. I my notes say that it was an enjoyable, challenging marination, and by that I mean, I feel like we I don't know, I feel like many folks. Who maybe our are, our are Peters, maybe a little on the softer side in terms of the music that they prefer. Right, this has definitely got an edge to it mm-hmm. that um, I think was is unique for its time. Obviously, because it was a trailblazing moment. Um, but the the edge is still there, so it's kind of a little difficult to break into. And the first few listens, I was definitely not not really feeling it for for that reason. But once I found a few songs to kind of latch on to, it then kind of, you know, made made that edge not such a, a problem anymore. I kind of was getting the whole picture and the whole vibe was was making more sense and, and I could enjoy the whole thing a, a bit more. So
0: marination uh, helps.
5: Honestly, I, Mar- this was a total marination help situation, Luke, for sure. Um, definitely oh, like, have some you're, songs. You're oh, something. yeah, hit me.
1: You're onto something really interesting, which I feel like it took me 30 years to figure out what you did, <laughs> which is there are some gateway drug situations going on in this album mm-hmm. where you you latch on to a couple songs and you're like, okay, I get that, and now I get this, and now this whole thing kind of unfolds yep. to me. Totally. Because, yeah, I'm completely with yeah, you. If you're just two bombing weeks through ago, it the first time, it's tough.
5: I mean, we're, we're jumping into it a little bit. Two weeks ago, I was maybe making a a mockery of some some pig uh content in in the chat and now i'm like (laughs) i freaking love pigs you know what i mean so so we can can get into that a bit later but Mm -hmm. uh yeah oh
3: my
0: gosh i love it so much um (laughs) i will give my uh overall thoughts kind of sort of in in the form of a question um like clubs, I was scared of Jane's Addiction when I was nine, and this album came out. A healthy and the fe- fear for a nine-year-old. The <laughs> fear continued through high school, uh, or I was too busy listening to Edwin McCain. One or the other. Um, you guys can decide. Um, so no history, really, whatsoever. Also, like you said, Blake, not exactly my genre, but I also did marinate mm-hmm. up, generally, on this album. But my enjoyment hinged... On how much Feral I was willing to stomach during that particular forty-five minute stretch, uh, I am here for Navarro and the rhythm section. I am not always here for Mister Mister Perry Farrell. So, Christopher, how how am I meant to respond to Perry Farrell's voice? Like, are there people out there that are like, yes, that that is the voice of of butter that I'm looking for in my music, or am I supposed to embrace the the whiny scratchiness of it all?
2: Uh okay. So, probably the best description is what uh, my wife said. Diana said who's a um, singer. Who's was a singer. And hmm. I and I she cannot tolerate um really bad singers. Uh okay. she cannot tolerate scritchy scratchy um
0: so she voted you know. one star on every single track on the album.
2: <laughs> well, but she did say i cannot imagine another voice with this band Hmm. and i think that's the thing Mm. with this band is that everything coming together is what this band is and what the songs are um and and this band jane's addiction has been called one of the most important rock groups of and most influential of the 80s and probably even more of the more influential than nirvana i think even tom morello said that he said, "Jane's addiction it influenced everybody more so than Nirvana, and, and an alternative started with this album, with nothing shocking." That's high praise.
4: Yeah,
1: I thought about that a lot, Christopher, as I was listening to it, because I, I was trying to place it in the context of, you know, the the exchange we had on Discord when you nominated it. and I was like, "Man, this was '88." Yeah. So they're writing this and performing some of these songs going back to like '85, '86. Yeah. So for those at home, that predates Joshua Tree, right? right. It's it, it's uh cocaine era, um, sunset strip. It predates Guns N' Roses, or they're kind of like
2: They're kinda of, they, they came up together pretty much.
1: Together, right? So Guns N' Roses like 87, I think is um Yeah, okay. So they're that, kind of yeah. But they're they're like channeling like seventies rock god stuff and these guys are like just doing bizarre, weird stuff. And it's awesome. Hmm. Here are my observations, high level observations. Um Perry Farrell is in the Troika with um uh our boy from uh, Smashing Pumpkins, I'm Billy Corgan, and um the Godfather of all uh Led Zeppelin's Robert Plant in yep. the uh in the three lead singers of awesome bands who uh, their voice might get on your nerves. Maybe right. you might have to turn them totally off totally. Totally. Um yeah, and- and or per- you, you might be feeling them and you might be like this, like, like you said, there's no other voice that goes with this this way. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, could you imagine like any better singing with this band? You right. can't, right? you yeah. know, Bono, yeah. you, you couldn't, you just can't hear that with this band. It just wouldn't be the same sound. I think all four of them together are this one unique sound.
0: Yeah. So Christopher For- Lovers, I had this question too, which is like, I mean, Perry Farrell and Navarro have both gone on to just kind of be their own entities, right? Um, but were they the the duo that couldn't get along? Is there some, you know, cliche band history with them? Or were they really four dudes <laughs> that all got along and, you know, were jamming in their garage since they were in junior high or something like that? I didn't bother Googling all right. their, their Wikipedia.
2: Okay, so Perry Farrell, as I, as I understood it when uh, in, in high school, was an old guy. He was like twenty-five. Um, Dave Navarro and um, Dave Navarro and Stephen Perkins, the drummer, the guitarist and drummer, they were just out of high school. They were eighteen. So when
4: huh. when
2: Dave Navarro recorded this album, he was like eighteen, nineteen. Wow. You know, and Stephen Perkins, you know, just blowing up the drum kit, just 18, 19, which blew my mind. Yeah. Uh, Eric Avery was a little bit older than them, and then Perry Farrell, he was maybe 20 and Perry Farrell was like 27 or something when this album came out. And, and another thing to Perry Farrell is Perry Farrell has always been on the cusp of everything new that's coming. He started Lollapalooza. Right. In like 91. He, um, he, he reformed Jane's addiction for Coachella on the second year of Coachella and started that tradition of bands reforming and, and is credited with actually saving that whole festival. Huh? So, He's just been in on on the forefront of everything alternative. But he's not a name that everybody knows. Which on the
1: forefront of frickin' four booby Siamese twin firehead <laughs> freaking forefront and,
2: four boobies. Well done. And guys. he made that statue. Yeah, that's oh. his artwork. That's his artwork. He it came to him in a dream he um had someone help him figure out how to create this statue he used his girlfriend as the model oh boy same with the ritual de la ritual uh that one was also him his girlfriend and his ex-girlfriend who killed herself Ziola blue uh yeah. or died of an overdose one of the two uh and that's those are the three figures on that album cover
1: huh so the one thing we haven't said yet. So you, you were veering into the blowing up the drum kit. We're giving Perry Farrell f- praise. The thing that jumps out to me as I listen to this thing is, I didn't. Uh, I, I retroactively need to go back and give Dave Navarro like child prodigy. Yeah. Praise like oh yeah. Th- what's happening on this album
0: is it's bonkers. He's
1: just attacking it constantly. He's,
0: he's so good, and he comes at it from so many different angles. Like. I wish I could have scored many of these songs just on Navarro's solo alone, but a few of the songs, either Perry or the other thing, she's caught me the wrong way. But all praise to Navarro, who now hosts uh, tattoo reality shows on MTV. <laughs> so he's come a long yeah. way, you know?
2: Well, guess, he, he's he, suffering from uh, COVID still. Long term oh, right? COVID. Yeah, because huh. Jane's Addiction is supposed to be touring right now, and he's the only one that can't go out.
0: Jeez. Long, that sucks. All yeah. COVID. Huh? Mm-hmm. Too many tattoos. But yeah, In his string. plane, yeah.
2: <laughs> but in his plane, you could hear like every guitarist that came after him. You can right. you, you can hear Tom Morello. You can hear, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, you can hear Soundgarden. You can hear every guitarist that came after Jane's Addiction in his plane in this album.
0: Preach. All right. He sounds
1: he sounds to me like just like a a freaking fighter pilot, like World War II, just attacking us with dive bombs. It's it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is, yeah. I'll just bring. Let's end here, I guess, in in the album segment by just saying Christopher opened it up by saying, "Like, can you imagine these guys playing in any other band or whatever?" And and Navarro really jumps out to me. He famously had a stint with the Chili Peppers. Kind of an okayish album in the late. 90s was it? Yeah, uh, it was
2: after uh, it was after Blood Sugar Sex Magic when John Frusciante left because of his addiction, Um, and he it was one hot minute.
1: L A. bands
0: unite, right? Yeah,
2: Yeah.
1: and Flea famously, I think, um, there was a time when Flea was touring with um, Jane's Addiction. uh, Yeah, the the bass player left, and so Flea. There's so if you're if you're in 1980s rock scene in L A. Can you just imagine? You got these hair bands that kind of suck, and then you, right? I don't know, like what happens? You, you, you got walk warrant. into the right bar, you can see Jane's Addiction, the Chili or Peppers, and roses. or Guns and Roses. Like, yeah,
2: yeah. Wild. And another another thing is Guns and Roses uh, bass player Duff McKagan also joined Jane's Addiction, like in 2010. So all of those three bands have just entered, you know, if traded players at various time points in time in history. Hmm.
1: Luke, let's do the uh, Duff McKagan sub-pod real quick. Can you fire that one up? That's have content
0: on that. Yeah, hang on. Uh, let me get a little something here.
1: All right. All right. Duff McKagan, uh, famously investor, early investor in Starbucks and some other crazy startups from uh, the Seattle scene. Like, oh. co- nearly a billionaire, I'm pretty sure, Duff McKagan. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> it's just... Famously, Duff McKagan also sits next to... Um, Kurt Cobain on the flight home after he's discharged himself out of rehab, right before he goes home, loads up a huge eight ball and freaking blows his head off. Jeez. Um. So Duff McKagan, that's the Duff McKagan pod. Oh, also a, a regular.
5: regular...
0: Uh... Oh. Sorry, go ahead, Blake. He was
5: a regular interview on the Jim Rome Show, which is another LA. You know, that was my Steve. Kevin and Bean show uh, with the lexicon and all that. The clones, yeah. And that's how I know uh, he's a cool dude. He would go on that show all the time.
1: Yeah, oh, I'd take financial advice from him. I'd take music <laughs> yeah. advice from him. I'd take freaking suicide prevention help from him. Like, the
0: guy can do anything. Dr- <laughs> Dr- drumming, drumming yeah, whatever. But all that other stuff, for sure. Oh, well, he's a bass guy. He's a bass guy. Oh, sorry. Why did I think he was a drummer? Anyway, uh, Brain fart. Who knows? Uh, oh, also, also,
2: to go back to the bass players, the drama in the band that we never touched was between the bass player, Eric Avery, and Perry Farrell. Um, Perry Farrell on this album and future albums took 12% more than them on, on royalties. <laughs> oh, is that right? And yeah. And then the, for the second album, Eric Avery and Perry Farrell weren't speaking because it was claimed that Eric Avery got drunk and hit on Perry Farrell's girlfriend. Ah. So there you go. There's the, the, uh, behind the music drama.
0: Wow. And hot stakes Ben coming in and saying that Perry Farrell took 50%, not 12%. So either way. Uh, that's that's hot takes in the freaking chat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's in there. He's dropping all kinds of knowledge in addition to what we got going here. So freaking lingering like the Dark Knight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Well, speaking of hot takes, Ben, he does have some overall thoughts on the album. Should we hear those?
4: Bring it. Solid album to usher in the greats that would follow it. Nirvana might not have been received as it was if Jane's addiction hadn't helped audiences see that rock could be awesome without the overproduction of the big hair bands, and rock mm. this does. I had a copy of this from Mark Gailey so that my parents wouldn't see the shocking cover art. Revisiting this album was an awesome look back to what 14-year-old Ben was rocking on the Walkman on the way to school.
0: There you go. Well done, Ben. Did Ben send you that clip, or is that AI? That's, That's AI, AI isn't, it? isn't it? Yeah, I refactored okay. his uh, his robotics in the background, and yeah. it sounds a lot like Let's- him. Let's use that to call his bank and freaking top into some. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> don't just don't say that on the air next time, loves You know, keep that in the side got pod. It. Yeah, got it. Okay. Uh, okay. Should we? Where do we go from here? Get down into it. Okay. The bottom line here is we're going to do the top five countdown. Uh, millions of us have voted. And uh, we've taken the scores. Each so- song was scored one to ten, and we've compiled those into a top five. We'll run those down, five to one, and then we'll uh, turn it over to some topics in case we want to talk about any other songs that didn't uh, didn't make the top five. And we'll see how this album shook out in our weird little albums of meat, uh, you know, experiment that we're running here. Sound all right?
2: Yeah, Bring let's it. put them all in the guild. Do it. Let's get it right now.
0: They're all going in the guild. Uh, as as Brent. Uh, decrees all albums of meat songs Must go in the guild uh, <laughs> Says the guy who hasn't voted on a single album Of meat album this entire offseason uh, oh, rules. Rules.
1: That's the important thing He, he just enforces rules. the rules
0: <laughs> Love you Brent shout out uh, I- I'll, I'll fly to Dublin with you So just just give me a call um, Alright We have a tie for number 5 and number 4 So they're both getting number 4 credit And I'm just going to go according Mama. to the album uh, Track numbers Four. four number four is a track two ocean size coming in with a score of a 7.29. Um so you know low 7s for the fourth or fifth uh, best song on the album and I think this is a uh, a worthy addition we have uh, alignment with the Spotify spins this is also the fourth most spun track on the album so um everybody agrees this is this is right where the song belongs uh and I'll kick us off by just saying that for me this is another case of Navarro doing work while Perry ruins it um, I, I, I oh. gave I gave it a five. Uh, I couldn't get it past two stars. Um, but I did dig it when Dave was doing his whaling thing. So, um, some samples of that. Here's here's Dave just ripping it from about two oh six after the little breakdown. ruin it Perry, you're ruining it, um the drummer oh. doing, doing some work in there as well, um, but yeah, I man, and that's just like you guys were talking about. that's just one tone and one sound that Navarro gets out of that guitar throughout the course of this album, so um, yeah, this is well, a, this is a fine number five for me. go, Christopher,
2: well, I mean, the one thing about the tone is just all the different types of effects he uses. you can totally. hear. Like delay played over it. I don't. I don't recall a band in that time frame in that time period playing with those types of effects over a solo. Right. You know, de- delay, and I think he's got. I think he's got a little bit of chorus in there. Um, well, and, and then and then, and then, if you Perry don't know Farrell about also that,
0: has, it just sounds great too, right? I mean,
2: yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, please uh, nerd out for us. We're, we're here for yeah. it. Yeah, and and then Perry Farrell's also got a bunch of effects on his voice. Uh, like uh he also kind of it also seems like he also understands that he is limited in his vocal range okay uh he didn't <laughs> start singing until he was 20 um but he, you know he he's got a lot of delay on there he's got flange on there um so you can hear that all when he when he does his you know call and response with the guitar during the solos
0: right right blake what do you think
5: I was pretty aligned with you luke in thinking about like the marination and playing the album start to finish this it took me one more song to to kind of get there and Mm. and maybe that song is on our list maybe it's not um where i feel like the balance of what you're saying in terms of the the music and the band and what they're doing and the vocal was maybe in a bit more equilibrium than it is on this song so i i had this one at a at a six and I again think it kicks off the album's kind of energetic phase um mm-hmm. but there are some other energetic songs that I I prefer to this one so um a decent start but not
2: my not my favorite Christopher but, uh, where'd you score this one I gave this one a 10 <laughs> the the themes and the lyrics in this I song I gave it a, uh, a 10 a 10 ten. Right. 10 10, ten. You're going to hear that a lot this evening, <laughs> folks. Apparently get so. ready. Because <laughs> the themes and, and the the ideas in this song are just mind-blowing. You know, What superpower do you want to have? I want to be as big as a fucking ocean. <laughs> um, uh, can, we curse? can we curse? Yeah, sure. That's all
0: right. Okay.
2: No, no, no. I, you know, I want to be immovable. But that's about it. I want yeah, to be immovable. Like it, <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I be immovable. I want to be something more than what I am. You know, and it's just just the whole themes and all of the lyrics in these songs are just different than anything you could hear at this time and that's also what influences a lot of the 90s groups i know loves had talked about all the narratives in like pearl jam and a lot of the 90s groups going going on that's all in this album that isn't in a lot of other 80s albums
1: right i love it christopher let's just make permanent seat number four listen ocean size i voted it a nine um wow It I am completely lined with Christopher. I'm happy to bump it up to a 10. It's it's the kind of song if somebody was gonna pull out a song from this album and uh, and sub it on like an in-season Discovery TGP playlist, Mm -hmm. this would be the one that you would pick and Hmm. still have my respect. Because I don't I think I think Mountain Song's probably gonna be on our list further up. Summertime rolls, I suspect will be somewhere further up, Jane Seth. Those are going to be on our list, but they wouldn't be needle threaders, right? <laughs> this is the one that says, like, Navarro announces himself with crazy authority. And I can just imagine, again, it, you know, the four of us are wearing our acid wash jeans. And, <laughs> you know, we're going with going to the show. And these guys open up the Roxy or whatever. And we get to see this song live in some tiny freaking Sunset Boulevard venue, this thing would melt your face. Oh, yeah. And the thing, you know, Perry Farrell's vocal, I get it, Luke. I get what you're saying. And if you're not in the mood or, you know, it's bugging you or whatever, I get it. But I I bet this performance or this vocal live in a club like that back in the 80s, you would have just been like, what the freak is this? Like, this makes no sense in the context of anything – I've ever seen before. Like, this is wild. Your brain and
0: would have just been a, melting. melting. Yeah.
1: The call yeah. and response, like, okay, we're going to have, like, a a duel between my lead singer with his, I guess, flange voice effect versus Dave Navarro shredding it up. It's awesome. The song really yeah. wheels.
2: Awesome. I agree. Totally. All Put right. in the guild. Fair assessment. Man. We'll guild, guild it. it. All right. I'm going to lay <laughs> off
0: Perry after this. And I realize this is my unseasoned listening, but I did pull some clips here, so I, I've got to play the... The moment that they killed it for me around
3: 250 <laughs> ocean, ocean, yeah.
0: okay so far
4: hey want to hear the most annoying sound in the world <laughs> <laughs>
0: Or a remix.
3: (laughs) Uh, That's
0: bad form. Come Uh, on, producer with the dagger. Uh, He's a legend. He uh, he revived Coachella. (laughs) Thank thank you, Chris. (laughs) Billy Eilish owes Uh, everything to him, so I get it.
2: Could Could you imagine like Eddie Vedder singing that?
0: It just wouldn't work. No, that's true.
2: He wouldn't have the balls. Like, there's like no.
1: Christopher, I'm not a musician, but I like to watch. um I like to get out the electric guitar every now and then and like noodle around. And what'll happen is that, you know, my phone will figure out that I'm playing guitar. and it's like, hey, here's now a bunch of uh, YouTube or Instagram <laughs> right. content or whatever. And eventually you'll find one of these like music theory guys. and famously, they'll be like, listen, you can here's a dirty little secret. You can play whatever friggin' note you want, bro. As long as you're confident, it's gonna sound fine. Oh, and yeah. Perry Farrell is like like somebody should take those little, you know, dorky YouTubers and show them nineteen eighty eight Perry Farrell singing that note and be right. like, Friggin' works, bro. Yeah, it works no, because Perry is just like, Hey, I, I got a me. paper mache freaking dong on my next album <laughs> and I'm doing it. Uh...
2: well, you know, Miles Davis said there is no wrong notes. And so that's exactly what's going on here. And when you couple that with the lyrics, you know, some people tell me home is up in the sky. In the sky is a spy. I, you know, just talking about like there's no God and it's all just what's on Earth. That's just a theme that blew my eighth grade mind, <laughs> my high school mind. Right. You know, I, I, you know, as a burgeoning atheist in in uh, Catholic high school, that was just related to me <laughs> on so many levels.
0: Right. The musical yeah. version of doing acid, right? It's just like, holy cow! <laughs> I hadn't thought of that in my whole life. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you know, I stand as the the low man on the totem pole, and uh, I respect everybody's, <laughs> everybody's high scores. So, <laughs> Blake and I will be over here in the corner. Uh, let's move on to. Oh, wait, we got some some clips. Uh, Hot takes, Ben coming in with Ocean Size. Here you go.
4: Great rock song. This pre grunge anthem is so different from the stadium hair rock of the day and the emo-driven alternative scene. This was a great intro to what 90s rock could be. Solo is solid and reminds us why Navarro was so great at making this band what it was.
0: There you go. Thank you, Ben. Um, all
4: right. Hey, Ben, great job by you.
0: Not alignment, but hey, we're going to do it. Moving on to the other track, number four. 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 It's the very next track, How Dad. There we go. What do you guys think this song is about? Um, anyway. Uh, no dad club. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we came in at number four on this. Uh, this is number seven in terms of the overall spins on Spotify. So we like this song a lot more than your average schmo who's spinning this album on, on Spotify or choosing to add or not add this song to the playlist. And uh, this one for me had a lack of Perry factor plus the serious Dave wailing it uh, inches it into three-star territory. So I gave this one uh, a six and and I got some clips and some other good stuff. But uh, yeah, this is this is a a perfectly fine three star song. I dug it. Um, One of the higher rating tracks on the album for me. Uh, Christopher, you're aligning with the the No Dad Club or the music or everything.
2: Oh, yeah. This was written by Eric Avery starting about uh, it. Part of it is about his dad leaving when he was little. And then I think Perry Farrell turns it also into another atheist anthem, you know, where he's like, if you see my brothers, tell him, you know, if you see my dad, tell him my brothers have all gone mad. Hmm. You know, again, me, atheist, Catholic high school, right there, <laughs> just speaking right to me. Hmm. Blake, what about you? This
5: was the one yeah, that put you as, over the edge. Exactly. As I kind of was teasing in the discussion of uh, of the last song, this is sort of what, what grabbed me from the start with, with the album. And I don't know if it was just sort of the, the tempo or the guitar riff that's kind of really driving along, but yeah, right away kind of pulls you in and then it's got those just insane guitar interstitials and, and, and solos. And then, like you said, Luke, the, uh, the Perry factor was in pretty good equilibrium here. Mm-hmm. So, um, all told this was sort of my little bit of a light bulb moment. Like, all right, I, I kind of get what we're doing here, and and you know if there's more of this on the album, I'll be I'll be there for it, and and thankfully there is. Had as a seven, uh, a real solid, in my view, kind of like this is when I'm starting to enjoy my listen quite a bit. So um, I'll give it some props for that.
0: Yeah, loves.
1: Uh, six, just um, not my favorite on the album, uh, but it is super quality right to me it's it's like hey let's copy paste this and th- that's what the Stone temple pilots did um this this seems like there's a throughput here to like Vaseline and uh mm. the purple album
0: so it's got a real, i don't like, have a kind of chugging like sound to it right like a real yeah, yeah
1: yeah I don't have a problem with it I just uh yeah not my favorite on the album but uh definitely not my least favorite either and uh yeah all right. I, I didn't think it, convince I, me to become
2: an atheist though, so maybe maybe that's <laughs> the problem. Right. <laughs> I think it suffers from coming right after Ocean Size because they're they're kind of sister songs. I believe they're both in E minor, but Ocean Size goes from E to A, and this one goes from A to E, just in the whole riff hmm. uh through the verse. So now it's me. Well no, no, I'm no, one no. of those I'm no, one no, of those it. YouTube nerds.
3: Let's get those it. nerds.
1: Okay, keep so, it going. Hold on. So we got the scales, we got the freaking we got the the the, the intervals. What, what are we What are we doing here? What's happening?
2: Explain. Well, I mean, they're both they're both kind of. It seemed like they were both written back to back off of the same kind of riffing ideas. So I think that's where it suffers from. If you put this on shuffle and it came out on, on after like summertime rolls or or stand in the shower thinking, it it would probably fit a little bit better. But in terms of ramping up in the album on side one, it. It just kind of falls right into there Where just warms everything up for you going forward
0: Right hmm. uh, I'll cap it off with just a couple clips um, I thought the breakdown in the middle Into the Dave wailing was awesome Around two minutes Just freaking whip it Dave And I'll say that part part was like, oh, I get it. I like the little, oh yes, you know that, uh, that Perry was thrown out there. And sorry, I played the wrong clip. That was the two and a half minute clip. This was the uh, the Dave Whaling that I wanted to play.
3: Did you see
0: my my- oh, sorry. Did
3: you see my
0: just a very different sound from that solo even from ocean size so freaking 18 19 year old phenom um impressive impressive stuff uh hot takes ben coming in with uh his take on how to dad a
4: little more predictable on the theme this was an amazing comparison to def leopard or bon jovi songs of the time and this is so much edgier and raw in comparison while remaining a rocking song Check out the drums at the second chorus. I love it. It's a song in multiple phases and parts.
0: Ben loves it. Uh, high scores from Ben. Breaking
4: it down. All right. We move on to number three. Let's do it.
0: Three. three. We're just moving right along the track list. It's track number five, standing in the shower thinking. Fuck. This one coming in with just a couple more fractions of a point than the other two. A 7.43 put it at a number three overall for us. It comes in at uh number nine in terms of uh Spotify spins, but puts it at six like placements different. We like this song way more than the masses. Uh that's one of the bigger changes I've seen or just discrepancies I've seen between where mm. we ranked it and where, you know, your average Spotify spins rank it. Um, and I put this one. Right in the middle It was not a super high scorer for me um, I mean Christopher's going to tell me That this is some you know amazing mind-blowing uh, <laughs> Song that just opens his mind up And I'm going to say well To me it seemed like Some pretty dumb lyrics that were pretty uh, Plain to see um, You know Freaking uh, here's here's some of that <laughs> You ruined it. You ruined it, Perry. Uh, but the water is piping hot, you know? Uh, it beats yeah. upon my neck, and I'm, it's I'm pissing on myself. It's so. hot, according
5: to Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Luke. The alignment continues. I just think this is an, an unremarkable song uh, within the album. You know, there's there's quite a few others that I, I like more, and seeing this as the number three, to me, is a little interesting, given that I think we can probably guess what's one and two, but hey, maybe mm-hmm. there's some curveballs balls in store. Um but yeah this one again just didn't really stick out to me I think it uh follows a song on the album that is a a little more interesting and a little more unique and something that maybe you know returning to time and time again sort of opens up uh you know new new things that you're noticing whereas I feel like this one's just a bit more
1: straight down the middle so sorry re- rephrase that so this song follows the interesting song or this song is followed by the interesting song. It it, it follows a more interesting song, which I Ted I guess, just admit it. You think
3: is yeah, yeah. It's
5: way interesting. more interesting. I feel like to me sort of captures the, you know, origin of this genre of this alt rock moment, plus some wacky Jane's addiction, lyrical content and song structure that like stands the test of time way more than this so i i find this to be a surprising ranking i mean i had it where did i have it as a six maybe um so i didn't hate it i just think there's a lot more interesting moments on the album but curious to hear from other folks on on the panel
1: here i mean we gotta deconstruct you listening to freaking ted bundy monologues and freaking (laughs) feeling super good about that that's uh that's a giant question mark (laughs)
0: Uh, that's a, sure that's its own side pod I uh, just admit it Tough listen I'll admit that uh, Christopher You're anchoring this song well Vargs is anchoring this song in a very high position uh, and, and Hot Takes Ben as well So Christopher You, you gave this one your, your classic score I gave
3: score. It a, uh, a, ten. a
0: 10 A 10 Tell us why Well
2: It's a very funky tune Um, and it fall, it's like a palate cleanser to Ted just admit it because Ted just admit it's a seven, seven minute song about, you know, Ted Bundy,
0: um,
2: which has interesting themes because, well, we'll get into that if we ever get into that song. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, 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 so it's kind of like a little bit more of a palate cleanser, a little bit more of a refresher after that, you know, seven minute, you know, song about sex and violence. Um. You know, some of the themes and ideas in this are just kind of very random. You know, he, you know, he thinks about power, a way, about a way a man can use it or be destroyed by it. He he also has this one theme that I think goes through a lot of his lyrics is where he's looking at himself. So he's he saw you know he was thinking about a man who just looked looked just like me, and he was heading to the place I was heading, the same place he was heading, hmm. and you know just about fighting with himself, you know, and all while having these random thoughts in the shower. Again, I can, I can see where you, you're like, it's kind of simplistic, but when you juxtapose it to Ted just admit it, and then you follow it up with the the track that leads the second album, the second side, which is summertime rolls. Mm-hmm. I think it fits right in there.
0: All right.
2: loves. where'd you score this one?
1: Uh, seven. It's the, uh, it's the precursor to their big single, um, which would kind of, I think, blow them up in the mainstream, um, Being Caught Stealing. Mm. Uh, in my mind, there, there's like a clear through line from this song to that one. Right. Um, it's it's good. I remember uh, kind of being a teenager and getting off on the F-bombs about the shower water. Also kind of maybe wait, not. Wait, <laughs> is he
0: actually cussing? Because if you look up the lyrics, it says piping. Like, What, piping. what is the actual call there? Does it matter? Huh. doesn't matter.
1: Oh, I'll, I'll roll with what the lyrics say. I always assumed it was effing. Uh, yeah.
0: But it doesn't matter really explicit here. On but Spotify. yeah, you read the lyrics and you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but, it, well, maybe that says more about us, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I thought he was saying, I thought he was dropping F-bombs too, until I went and looked up the lyrics. It's like, oh, piping hot, I guess. I guess that makes I sense. I
1: think Deanne lovers might have also <laughs> assumed the F-bomb.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. mama, mama lovers yeah not probably not a fan of i don't one. think
1: i was i don't think i was getting away with that no he's saying piping
0: yeah so yeah I, I don't think it's gonna work let me hand you the album cover so you can read the liner notes <laughs> yeah. oh shit oh no Yeah, skip past the first page yeah uh, of the cover uh mom yeah yeah
1: i just want to take this opportunity to say um i i guess grateful for dan in the sense um christopher i think our paths divert. if I was taking theological or life advice from Perry Farrell in uh, the early 90s. I probably wouldn't have, you know, my life might have gone in a whole different direction. And and I'm happy with where I'm at now. And, you know, so, I don't know. Uh, You know, Perry Farrell, save Coachella. I don't know if he's, like, you know, like the the best guy to model life after. But, you know, it's just me. Well, he's
2: just open minds, right? Yeah. So, again, well, to kind of clarify, I was already... I I felt very isolated in grade school and high school because I was in a Catholic school, and I just could not fathom the idea of a God, and was having these thoughts independently of uh, of music or anything else. Right. I was just like, none of this makes any sense to me. So it was very isolating for me, especially. And then my upbringing uh, was very uh, rough, being from you know. Boyle well, Heights used to lay in the 90s when, you know, all all the, all the, you know, gang stuff going on at that time period when I was growing up, which is probably why I became hey, a rocker. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. And so, it sounds I like mean, it just,
0: it opened your, it just gave you a, a sense of like, oh, I'm not the only one like having these kind of exactly thoughts. Yeah. Like, I can step out of my lane a little bit and see how that feels, right? And go from there. I mean, it sounds like exactly what music yeah. is kind of
2: meant to do when you're that age, right? I mean, he definitely wasn't my guru because the side two is pretty much all about drugs, uh, you know, and, and hard drugs like, you know, all about heroin and mm-hmm. pretty much life. At What he what he established was the Wilton House, which is basically um, he convinced this property owner in L.A. that he was an interior designer and moved into the house and just moved a whole bunch of, you know, musicians and junkies into this house and, Ooh. you know. Took it over, and this is where Jane's addiction would practice, and this is where they met Jane Bainter, who is the namesake for the band and for Jane Says.
0: Right? Wow, man. Well, yeah, living this. I guess that's. Do you, I mean, it's the classic music question, right? Do you have to live a life like that to be able to create this stuff that is so cutting edge and ahead of its ahead of its form, right? And uh, yeah, and
2: and and seems like the other yes. thing. Yeah, the other thing I think is that Perry Farrell never comes from a preaching side. I don't think he's ever like, do this because it's cool or do this because I want you to do it. It's more like he's just telling you a story. You know, Jane, Jane says, never really says that she's doing, you know, say no to drugs. You know, it's not preaching like that. It's just this is what happens to somebody that's really, you know, strung out, you know. Right. Right. Same thing I with some. I we're going to have
1: a couple more songs off the of side too. So let's mm-hmm. let's do that and yeah. uh, let's get into that because I think those are we want to mine those those mines.
0: You are correct, uh, and they call it a mine. Uh, we have a tie at number one, so you folks at home get to take your pick as to whatever is your favorite track. I'm just going to continue moving down the track listing. One. It is track seven, Mountain Song. You gotta let that whole baseline play. Mountain Song coming in with a very high overall score of 8.71. We have not gotten a lot of uh, individual songs with that high of a score, so pretty unanimous praise from the millions of voters. Um, Spotify puts it at number two overall in terms of spins on the album. It has 41 million, almost 42 million spins, while Gene says has 110 million. Um, surprise, that may or may not be the number one song. So uh, we like this song slightly more than the masses, but uh, not by much. This is pretty clearly the... Number one or number two song on the album, both by our votes uh, and everybody else's, and uh, yeah, I freaking dig the song. I dug the song coming in. This was the song I was most familiar with, and uh, and uh, really loved it. Lubs, let's pass it to you first this time around. What do you got on Mountain Song?
1: Uh, intro again. Put yourself in the concert venue in the '80s, and this gets freaking thrown at you. You're just mm. probably losing your mind, right? Uh, it's. So, so good. What a bass line. And, um, I, yeah, I'm speechless. Uh, what can I say? Like, it's everything that we've set up to this point. It's Dave Navarro just attacking, uh, and that rhythm section just beating that bass line into you.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And Perry just kind of dancing on top of it, doing freaking crazy. I'm I'm just going to go for it kind of stuff. And it's, I think, one of the all time. It makes the short list if you're making like the "Hey Aliens, Welcome to Earth." Let me give you a <laughs> '90s alternative rock mixtape. I think it makes the ten song cut before you run out of uh, space on the CD
2: or on the tape.
0: Even though it was released in '88, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's that's high praise. Christopher, what do you got?
2: Um, well, it's it's an amazing song. It's one of the first songs I heard from them. Um, in the guitar solo, you can hear definitely hear Tom Morello. You can hear Rage Against the Machine and all the antics that he does with the way he solos, the way he plays. Just the the mastery of, of the delay pedal and and just the way that whole guitar solo just in any volume kind of blows your face off, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got some of that. You know. Know.
0: Here we go. Here's a little bit of that.
1: Okay, can Ingenuity. you tap me in real quick? I yeah. got something for Blake. Get hey, Blake. There. Yep. I got a double feature for you. Mountain Song into Bullet the Blue Sky. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, that was a good. Double I think the same thing yeah, as, like that. as that clip was playing. And, you know, I think a lot of what what's happening in the guitar solos in this album are, you know. They're sort of like the other side of the coin to what Edge was doing in U2. Um, and, you know, I, I listen to some of this stuff and I, I wonder, you know, if the influence worked the other way as well, because there's a lot of stuff happening on this album that Edge didn't explore until the the actual 90s with Octoon Baby and Enzuropa and, and whatnot. It was like really crazy effects and, and whatnot. And it's just, it's cool to hear kind of the interpretations of that side of the instrument, right? Not the... I mean, this dude can obviously shred, but this solo in particular is—it's not about the shredding. It's—it's it's about playing the note or finding the sound that's going to work for the solo. And right, I will always appreciate Yeah, yeah, I will always appreciate. Or I guess I'm just drawn to that more than just how fast can you play? <laughs> can you play the notes? Right. And Tom Morello is kind of of that same ilk as well, right? Just like what kind of finding sound can I get? What out unique sound? Yeah, exactly. So. It's just cool to hear kind of different versions of that reflected in genres that are obviously very different, but they were happening at the same time, 87, 88. Like, it's it's just really neat. So good call out, loves
0: Ah damn. Well, sounds like we just got uh, wide, wide-reaching praise here. Uh, we did hear from Vargs on this one. Very short comment, but here we go. Best Bring song it. of the album. There you go. That's all Vargs had to say. He does have a comment on another song that we can maybe talk about later. And uh, Ben coming in with his short take as well.
4: Might be the best song on the album, all about the heroin addiction the band had going on.
0: Yeah, I didn't know that until we started recording this podcast. But uh, that's what <laughs> you get when you don't know anything about the band or go to Wikipedia or whatever. So uh, this is a heroin song, guys?
2: Yes, it's all about coming down from heroin. Mm. And it's also about his mom killing himself, killing herself. Oh, that is. That so when, when Perry Farrell was three is his mom committed suicide she was an artist and so the miss smith that's cashing in that's his mom yikes yeah wow. so it there's a lot of expression and it's kind of it's kind of all it seems to be like he's telling a story of when he's coming off of it and the things that that come to him as he's you know n- abstaining i guess or coming down from from right. uh, from
0: erwin Man, what a weird thing to have to live and relive for the rest of your life when you have to play the song at concerts. It's bizarre. The life yeah. of an artist. Uh, so you're, you're saying that you know maybe this the people that make the uh, ABC cop drama, The Rookie, didn't know about that when they used this in a, a recent uh, montage <laughs> where, where all the cops were beating up a bunch of bad guys. Because I was oh, like, oh, oh. Not, no. hey, I wow. know the <laughs> song. Yeah, uh, check out the Does rookie the guys. And
1: have to approve that though. I mean, that's fun. funny.
0: Nathan Fillion. Perry Farrell's
1: like, yes, Good we'll job. take the check. He's like the well, castle. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well again, Perry Farrell did uh take most of the money off of these albums. But there we go. I think as somewhere as between ben twelve said, and fifty percent. It well, twelve percent in the total. I think it's because the artists don't get as much of the take on the album. Right. So I think it's fifty percent more than the rest of the band got. Uh, so which comes out to twelve percent of the total album, if that's the way I'm crunching numbers, but I could <laughs> be wrong. I don't have the audio
0: version of the uh, um, Beautiful Mind uh, gif, but that's what's going on. There's on a great clip. Now, when so. the
2: four of
1: us start our band, um, uh-huh. there's this great clip. I think it's, of all people, Joe Rogan talking to Billy Corrigan about um, the Smashing Pumpkins breaking I apart. I, I heard like, this
0: clip recently myself too. Go, Labs, yeah.
1: Yeah, and he's like, yeah, I you know, was young, and I was writing the songs, and I didn't really understand the impact that, hey, just listen. You know, when we went to basically give credit on the album notes for who wrote what song, I was like, yeah, I wrote it <laughs> and <laughs> I got all the money. Right. And uh, believe it or not, that created drama in the band.
0: Shocking. Yeah, this is my shocked face. Yeah, I think I heard also approached from the other side using Billy Corgan as an example. But they basically said almost the only bands that can actually stay together for 10, 20, 30 years are bands that right from the jump go, we're just splitting the money we're just splitting it evenly among all yep. of us cuz once you that's start you too did yeah once you start saying this guy gets more cuz he's the lead man or this guy gets more cuz he writes all the songs people are going to get pissed right so okay.
2: yeah or you get get drunk and hit on the singer's girlfriend <laughs>
3: right.
2: or half the band is trying to come clean from heroin and the other half of the band is not gosh so that's just... that's, that's 1991 Jane's addiction
0: it's so wild for me to think of how I spend my insanely boring days compared to what Perry and Navarro were doing on any given day in 1989. It's just nuts. Uh, all right. So the Tide for number one track. One. is just what you would all think it is. It's Jane Says. Jane! song coming in again with the 8.71 dead tie uh it is got 110 million spins of you know just dwarfing most other songs on the album compared except for mountain song and uh yeah it puts us in perfect alignment with the masses so we're not needle threading anything here this is uh i always thought it was kind of a funny song because as you're listening to it on the album like the acoustic guitar almost like jolts you awake (laughs) by existing on this yes, album that is just totally. all electric and sustained and fuzz. And all of a sudden it's like June, June, but you know, and you're like, ah, G chord. Hello. Um, so, uh, yeah, a, a song that I've heard a, a whole bunch of times and, um, it hasn't really faded on me too much. You know, I definitely remember kids in my high school knowing how to play this on guitar and everybody, you know, singing along. Right. And everybody <laughs> loves the freaking um, you know, when she can't, She Can't Hit, uh, which is right here.
3: It's
0: just a great crowd participation moment, of course, I'm sure, uh, when you see them live. Um, And then I don't think I really noticed it until we were marinating on it this time around, but a lot of steel drums in this song Um, oh yeah yeah. baby so much steel drums the outro is basically a steel drum bass solo showdown with Harry of course Just wow. The production on this album goes places, including steel drum bass solo outros. So, uh, Christopher, is the song played out for you or is it, does it still hold the test of time as, as one of the pinnacles of this album?
2: Still holds the test of time. Yeah, and, and oddly enough, your favorite song has more Perry Farrell in it than pretty much every other song. More, more <laughs> right. Perry Farrell actually singing.
0: Well, I only scored a seven. I've got a, another song that didn't make the top five that I scored higher than this one, which I'll talk about in a minute. But um, yeah, I think the song's quite good.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, narrative like love says loves 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 a narrative, and yeah, that's tricky to say. Easy for you sure to say. submit that to the Ralph report. I can't You know, this is just all narrative. You know, there really was a Jane. There really was a Sergio. Um, She was really trying, you know, to get clean. She was trying to go to Spain. All that was actually something that actually happened, and he made it into a song.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, Hot Takes Ben posting a link to an article that's all about Jane and, um, you know, uh, how she was a real person and even how she's doing now, if I remember correctly. So... Uh, yeah, jump in the Discord. Check out some of the links that we're throwing out there. Blake, what's your? Are you, I mean, Jane says is probably one song of of any that has broken out beyond, you know, the Jane's Addiction bubble.
5: You know, I'm ashamed to say I hadn't heard it before. I know, really? I'm sure that's crazy, but yeah, I hadn't. Yeah. Um, but I, I really, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> it was my, I know, I'm sure that's just absolutely world rocking, but is what it is. The kids, you know, what can we say? I'm on the lawn. Um, but it was my my second favorite after after mountain song, I, I I didn't see any spin counts. I guess I saw that it was their top on Spotify. So that's Mm -hmm. a lie. I'm not surprised, right? It's it's kind of poppy in a way. Um, And I think that is just so interesting that this is the song on the album of super edgy. Hardcore alternative rock that 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 really kind of um, broke through. I mean, maybe it's not a surprise that it broke through, but is it a surprise that it's sort of what people think about when they think about this album or, or this band? Kind of. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if there's more of this in their discography or not, but it sure has an interesting place on the album. You called out the steel drums, Luke, and I absolutely love those. And it, it is a good... Palette cleanser for the overall sort of abrasive sound that
1: you're getting throughout the throughout the album so um yeah somebody somewhere has done a behind the music here or something like you don't make that studio decision to go steal drums right <laughs> if there isn't a story element like is right. jane from the islands or like what's the deal or is that like some kind of like heroin thing somehow
2: i, like, I think that's stephen perkins i mean he, this is an certain. album well, no, he's the, he's the drummer. Oh, okay, got it. I he's think just like, he, he likes to he's vibe. just, yeah, he just was very exploratory on what he played. I mean, it, when you listen to his drumming and compare it to what was going on at the time, it is very much ahead of its time. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of the toms, a lot of the double bass drum work that he does is really just slides right into the 90s, like really, like no, no, no other drummer of that time. You know, a lot of the drummers were were really um, going going off on like fills and, and and things like that, and he was incorporating that into just the whole groove of the song. Right. And so this song is you know kind of like in that vein of the um, you know the, those breaking down those, those heavy metal songs where they try and break it down and they go acoustic like Home Sweet Home from Molly Crewe and yeah. like more than words. I mean, it's right in that kind of lane. Mm -hmm. um even though i think it's just a deeper song you know just just the way it deals with with uh with her addiction and 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 just how it makes her a person right which is very weird for that time frame and and even weird into the 90s you're talking about addiction you're not talking about them as a person you're talking about them as somebody that's made bad decisions You know, and, and somebody that's you know, this is during Nancy Reagan's just say no and all that stuff. Right. And it's just like you know, people using drugs were just evil. Right. And Only here it is. As
1: your prudie friend on the pod, uh she has made some very bad decisions. <laughs> there's there's no denying that. Jane took some freaking left turns uh at some point and her life's a mess. I got a hot question for you. You ready for this one, Christopher? Yeah. Is this the most depressing song of the 1980s, or would you say Fast Car by Tracy Chapman? Or, <laughs> uh, let, let me be clear. Of songs that freaking charted, radio-wise.
2: Right. I would say this is actually an uplifting song. Oh
1: my um, gosh, in what way?
2: Well, well, the vibe is at least a little uplifting. Yeah, it's a very much a song you could sing along to. Yeah. You know, it's very much... You know, there is a thing with, with people that have addiction, and this is something that I've heard a lot, is where they're always going to try and get better tomorrow, get clean tomorrow, get get over, you know, everything tomorrow, lose weight tomorrow, lose weight tomorrow start an exercise program tomorrow.
4: So a- and,
2: to know, and, yeah, and and you check. yeah, and I mean, that's basically where it's coming from. It's humanizing somebody that at some point, you know, it, this time frame wouldn't have been humanized Right And well, Luz, I,
0: I, I take your point though, right? In that you could look at it as being extremely Sad and depressing, right? But it's also, well th- Her story's being told, right? And maybe there's lessons to be learned there, right? So it is this kind of weird In-between-the-lines kind of song in well,
1: terms What are of the lyrics, message. guys? Like, I, honestly, I don't think there's a more depressing lyric Than and, th- this, the stanza about Um I've never been in love. I only know when someone wants me.
2: Like, so
1: she's, yeah, she's she's you know, a prostitute who's just like I I don't know. Uh, She wasn't
2: a prostitute. Jane will tell you she wasn't. Hmm. Jane, in an interview, says that she's actually gone to Spain. She had an actual real job when this song was uh, popular, and when she became known who she was, she got in trouble at work. How bizarre. (laughs) So it's just like
1: famous, like uh, anecdotal, whatever, gets spread through the nineties and we all are just like, Oh yeah, she's a prostitute who's addicted to heroin. Yeah. yeah. And that that's not anything related to
2: the truth. And now it's 2023 and I'm still <laughs> thinking that's still what's going on. <laughs> I after, mean, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. the, that's the, that's, it's easy to kind of infer that I guess when you talk about, I've never been in love, mm-hmm. but I mean, you know, how old was she? She was like in her twenties, she was just partying and you know the 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 story goes. The song the band was named after her because she lived in the house, and whenever there was something wrong, because in this house lived about fifteen people at a time. Jeez. And, and whenever something went wrong in the house, they would blame it on Jane's addiction. That's kind of one story. Hmm. The other story is that she was just one of their friends, and and they wanted to call it Jane's Heroine experience, and then they shortened it to Jane's addiction but i mean she was definitely living a life and perry farrell will tell you that you know she had fun and there's some aspects of drugs that you can have fun and have a good time and then there's other aspects where you go too far you're you're you can you it's hard to come back from and i'm back to being scared of this album <laughs> yeah. we ended
0: where we began i'm freaked out again imagining living in a house of 15 people including perry 15 farrell people, and jane like,
1: Basically, that was, uh, was when I was, you know, Desi was in the womb everywhere. and it was Luke in my house. There were three, right. count Desi, four of us. It was, uh, <laughs> it was we were close, Luke. We could have gone bad.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But could you imagine having a Jane there that just brings over a bunch of other people and they just, you know, do a bunch of heroin in your living room?
0: That, you know. I, that was also me. I mean, I considered doing that, but then I would just go <laughs> get a Subway sandwich instead. So that was it. <laughs> That was my day. It's the Mario Golf. Yeah, that's right. But it,
2: but again, uplifting in the sense that her, her story is being told. Yeah, and there's a story to you tell. You can you can come back from this from from an abusive relationship and from because Sergio was their was their dealer, and he was abusive to her. And you know, I mean um, that's
1: like saying like oh yeah man freaking
2: Blood Meridian is
1: totally uplifting because it's telling the story of freaking. <laughs> the judge like the freaking devil incarnate like i don't i don't get it we're just gonna have to diverge here christopher but that's what makes podcasting great and that's okay <laughs> and the music this is a depressing freaking song uh yeah i mean people could, make better decisions with your life like that's freaking sad
2: you can learn but i you. mean think of the story she has to tell it's like we, she's like what in her 50s 60s now and she's just like yeah that band that you know was influential in the 90s, yeah. named themselves after me, and, and now I'm fine. I went to Spain, and I'm living a much better life than I was.
0: Wild. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let Hot Takes Ben take us out here with his comment.
2: All about Jane,
4: a flatmate in Los Angeles who uh, was a management consultant by day, but a heroin junkie concert slash, slash party head at night. Not a song about a hooker or homeless girl. Oh, and spoiler, real her has cleaned up, and she's gone to Spain now, too
3: everybody
0: go. knows this apparently i love that ai <laughs> a- a- ben pronounces it los angeles uh, so that's yeah funny. um <laughs> all right boys we're running long so i'm gonna skip us past most of the topics and uh instead we're just gonna get to oh,
1: surprise yeah, poor mother...
0: um you know we can do round robin or just whoever's feeling strong but you know who who wants to call out a song that did not make the top five that, that you'd like to discuss christopher you got something in mind
2: Oh, I'll, I'll let you guys go first because then I'll just pick up whatever's left.
1: Uh, Summertime Rolls is a gateway drug. I mean, it's really easy to listen to and just kind of moses along. And, Summertime uh, Rolls
0: came in as the seventh ranked song in our ranking. So it was just a little bit out of the top five.
1: Yeah. For me, I think it goes on the album Summertime Rolls into Mountain Song. And mm-hmm. uh, so you got this like low key uh, Althea style uh, mm. bumbling down the freaking river on your tube.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Keep going, that's great.
1: And uh, then you crash into mountain song. It's uh, it's a one two punch
0: for the ages. Love it. It was it was it, so, it was yeah, definitely I, my intro. You liked, man. It's, it was so wandery for me. I was just like, yeah, oh, this is too too drums much. Drums finally again.
1: come in. You kind of get a little rhythm. Da, da, da. Yeah. I love
0: mm-hmm. it. Oh yeah, that's true. Here you
1: go. The builder.
0: Yeah. The right. background here there's too. some there's some redeeming stuff in there young blake what you got can i just say that
5: pigs and zen is not only a jam yes. but that's it, my, it taught my me as well.
0: it taught me how
5: many different ways someone could say the word pig
3: <laughs> yeah <laughs> and pigs. That, I
0: truly i love it uh, uh, pig. uh yeah uh let's tag team this one because i also scored this one as an eight which was the highest score i gave out to any song on this album just the right ratio of perry to the rest of the band perry singing is mostly staccato and doesn't go into full scratchy dog whistle mode um and yeah it made me giggle when he sang the whole pigs thing so yeah here's some of that oh yeah great opening yeah and again you can hear other bands in this right yeah you can hear rage definitely Pigs
2: in Sand? Um, yeah.
0: And then he freaking uh drops the uh the puppa pa pigs.
3: we got them Let's go <laughs>
0: And then just one more clip because this is when Navarro goes full just for freaking Navarro, 11 around 215. Them section is freaking holding it down in the background that whole time i also love the phrase take off as you know acceptable phrases for lead singers to trigger the guitar solo you know yeah a little bit better than guitar or the edge um so yeah it. You uh,
2: <laughs> just kidding you even like the poem like right in the right in the end
0: yeah well no that was all, almost a pretty ruined it moment <laughs> but what are you gonna do uh yeah blake i'm totally with you and the last track of the album yeah, too, man. just freaking let's say, oh it yeah, rock You're in
5: right the high end. when when uh when the credits roll, it's great. And also, good. just go listeners go into the freaking live pod spoiler chats for all the Peppa Pig <laughs> gifs
2: <laughs> and and laugh along with us. Oh, it's so it's, good,
0: it's freaking great.
2: Uh, okay, Christopher lay it on us. Oh, uh, and that uh, that track wasn't actually supposed to be on the album. It was added later as a bonus track. It was uh-huh. supposed to end on "Thank You Boys."
0: Oh right I Uh, guess that makes more sense The non-track on the album Yeah
2: Yeah But Hmm. uh, Okay so There's a lot of songs To talk about still We got like Idiot's Rule Mm -hmm. Which you're you're thinking about LA bands joining Flea plays trumpet on there And the the horns From Fishbone Angelo The horns on
0: Idiot's Rule Are really something I was like Did uh, freaking What's his name From Oigo Boingo Produce this, this track Here's a little bit of that Fishbone
1: was playing With
0: these dudes Loves, you saying that's that's Fishbone doing the horns on that? That's
1: what Christopher said. I had no oh, idea. Jesus. Is that true?
2: Yeah, Th- that's Angelo and uh Christopher. What's his name? Damn it, Christopher Dowd, the trombone and, and uh, saxophone. Hot dog. Yeah, screen. saxophone lead singer for Fishbone, and then Flea on trumpet.
1: U G L Y. You ain't got no L you ugly. <laughs> Where
3: can go Fishbone.
2: Uh, that's. But awesome. I, I mean, and then there's Ted. Just admit it. Which I know Lobs probably doesn't like, but when you think about how Dave Navarro's mom was murdered, it it kind of of goes into this song. Like, his his mom and his aunt were murdered by his his mom's boyfriend. Jeez. And he was staying with his dad. He was supposed to go over that night, uh, and and that happened. And actually, he was on uh, America's Most Wanted, and they caught him. Cause he was he was out on the land for a long time. Jeez, and, and I mean, right now we're living in a Netflix age where we're just you know serial killers like on documentaries and all the time. And and this one, this song is talking about the sensationalism of of right. uh, of how it gets sensationalized in the media. You know how it it basically it just basically is wrong. You know. And Ted, I mean, in this case,
0: is Ted Bundy, right? I mean, that's generally yeah. the idea. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, it's a freaking weird track. Um, it's a yeah. very weird track, um, but it's it's a very cool track. It's a builder, like all the way through, like you guys say. Yeah. It, it starts off with just, I think it just starts off with like bass and a little bit of drums, and then it just mm-hmm. goes.
0: Well, yeah. Uh, ly- lyrics aside, here's where it starts, around 5.15. <laughs>
2: Yeah, the freaking toms are going. Mm-hmm. And then you can hear Dave come in with like the stabbing, almost you know, it's Alfred Hitchcock Psycho like guitars, just stings. And ah, ah, right. ah, ah, ah. you know, it's just it, it it is very dramatic, um, almost cinematic at times, and hmm. it's just it's a it's a it's an amazing track. Um, I don't know if you if you if you like the subject matter, but it is, uh, it, it is, it is a song that, you know. Again, you think it's about one thing, but then you listen to the lyrics, and it's like, yeah, we shouldn't be putting these people on a pedestal. We shouldn't be talking about all the pictures, and it shouldn't be twisted like this.
1: Right. And then to prove our point, we're gonna freaking drop, like, ninety seconds of audio of t- Ted t- Bundy talking. <laughs> yeah. Great point. Yeah. Uh, we do have it. Cut your legs
0: out, boys. A comment from Vargs on this one. This was one of the only songs that he submitted a, a, an actual comment. Here's Vargs.
1: Seen this performance at the Rialto Theater earlier this year? Bucket list moment for me. Especially this song, although Tams was a bit shocked at the two strippers on stage with Perry Farrell. <laughs> yeah.
0: So there you go. <laughs> Apparently, there's some extra visual uh, accompaniment to this song
2: if you if you on Yeah. There is also an unlocked memory from re-listening to this album of Jumbo's Clown Room in Los Angeles. Uh, It's a burlesque kind of pole dancing uh, dive bar, Hmm. Um, and uh, one of the pole dancers did full seven minutes on this song.
0: Wow! That as like they're instead of cherry pie, they were freaking rocking out
2: to this. They they were rocking out to this. I I think.
0: Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. I don't think I like it.
2: Oh, you had to be there. Don't like
0: it. Yeah, classic. Had to be there. Okay. Well, wrap it up, B. Christopher. You got anything else?
2: No. Uh, we're. How many of these are going in the guild again? All. <laughs> all ten. Eleven.
0: Yeah. Well, oh, except yeah. for thank you, boys. Nobody likes thank you, boys. It came in with a five point two nine and. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like that one. It, it made it's a laugh. non-song. It was meant to be I mean, the outro. Chris's, Chris's story makes so much sense. All right. I, think Chris, yeah. I think Christopher gave this 1 in 10, and you know what? <laughs> I'm all right with that. There you go. All right. Yo, the sign is real simple, B. It says wrap it up. The overall final score for this album, if you average out everything, came out to a 6.76, which puts it better than my beloved Kings of Leon by 0.01 points. Let's you, go. You bastards. Wow. Uh, but not as good as Casey Musgraves, so it's kind of coming what? in to That's the bottom, insane. the bottom third uh, overall. If you look at the individual Ridiculous. score, yeah. Um, but the overall score via just the shits and giggles vote was an eight. So again, one of those ones where people think the album is very good if you just ask them, "Hey, how's the album?" But then when they dig into the individual song scores, um, it gets dragged down a little bit, which is uh, classically what we've seen on this pod. So. Happens when you let the pigs vote. The pigs. <laughs> <laughs> the, the pigs. Uh, before we do the previews and, and get out of here on some marination, Christopher, tell us about Quitters Never Give Up. Where can people find oh, yeah. it and download it and all that good stuff? Plug your stuff, man.
2: Oh, uh, well, uh, anywhere podcasts can be found pretty much. Spotify, uh, Apple Music. That's where I get all my podcasts from Apple <laughs> Music um yeah it it, we are on a uh we we came back from a month-long hiatus and we're still uh we came back a couple weeks ago and we're now uh still in 2012 with the week that was right and then i do the roundup of all the podcasts that uh broke off from that radio show so right
0: the fun part for me is that there's a there's a little call-in thing you can do to like record an audio message that they eventually play and like I listen to an episode and then I leave a message and then I hear that like three or four weeks later because these guys do a really good job of like editing their show, whereas I do almost no editing. Um, but it's fun to like be chit chatting with you guys in between where I'm like, oh, yeah, they've they've heard that message now, but it won't be podcast now until two or three weeks from now. So, um, yeah.
2: yeah and and thank us. you, by the way, for the fallout boy uh, message. Yes. Fallout Boy, yeah. We didn't start the fire. I, oh I thought gosh. that's what this pod was going to be about initially. <laughs> um
0: Have you guys heard the freaking Fallout Boy We Didn't Start the Fire? Cover? Unfortunately, I have. Oh my gosh. It's such trash. And I hate that it got so many cycles last week. Did they update was, it to like yeah. change lyrics? Yeah, it's oh, just yeah. as bad as you would expect. It's so. 90s oh my, and beyond. It's worse. But it's terrible. And it's not even chronological. They were just like, uh we'll And freaking Fallout Boy. Like, what? Yeah. Oh, God. It's bad. <laughs> All right. We don't need to talk about that um from here on out we, all we got to do is uh figure out the next album meet that we're going to preview uh-huh. and it was submitted by a guy who flies to dublin on at the drop of a hat um <laughs> a guy named brent dover and uh well here it is here's one track from this album that we'll all be marrying on soon Massive change in genre, yes. Taylor Swift is uh, the next album of meat. To These be Swifties we need to be
1: freaking checked. This is ridiculous.
0: <laughs> are we doing? Are we doing Taylor's version here? Well, come on. What, what's, I, what's I, Silly enough, I had to. Uh, I am Brent about that this earlier today, and he did not <laughs> respond. So I made the executive decision. And I pulled Taylor's version, but if one of you tells me that okay. I should pull the original, then uh, I can go do that. But. Uh, I, the Swifties would come for me if we didn't do that for well, musical here's the rights
5: ownership reasons. So. Definitely
0: come listen live to this episode, team, because it's definitely going to get a thousand copyright strikes and, and be stricken from the record. So <laughs> it will live <laughs> on Discord and on my hard drive uh, probably immediately after we post it. But, hey, it'll be fun uh, in the meantime.
5: Hey, well, at least so. we're uncovering some some new artists mm-hmm. uh, that need some, some additional publicity.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, can, can I come us. back for that one just to say how bad that <laughs> album is? Yeah. Oh. Hey, you can – Give us the highest of highs <laughs> with Jane's addiction and lowest of lows with with Mrs. Swift. And if
1: you're oh. not available, you've probably given us enough raw material now just to freaking AI your voice. That's so all good. Oh, no, I,
0: <laughs> I would have done it already, but he was already coming on. I didn't need AI's voice. So uh, loves is, is it time? I
4: request the cone of silence.
0: I can see the cone. There's only one rule, people. No
1: salt mine, and then no song talk.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Get That's ready, a- discovery season's coming.
0: Marinade. It's time to marinate. Thank you, Christopher. <laughs>
2: Well, thank you, guys.
0: Let's go, pigs. <laughs> the p <p-p-p-p-p-> pigs out. <laughs>